We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. for tuning back in to We Are Distractions podcast, a weekly show where I, your host Alex, rotate in discussing true crime cases, paranormal hotspots, online conspiracy theories, folklore tales, a little bit of this and a little bit of that to provide you and more than likely what your boss from your first job would consider a weird distraction from every day life. This week I'm discussing an American folklore tale from the West Coast, but before we dive into this week's distraction, I need to let you in on what I need a distraction from. As always, if you want to hear your reason for a distraction on a future episode, feel free to shoot me a DM or send me an email email at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. My need for a distraction this week is just in general, work has been insanely busy. Um, I feel like it's been busy since I started and I've just had a couple of really crappy work days. And to be honest, I just need a distraction from that. Like I feel as though it's so simple and like, oh, everyone has really hard work days. But yeah, I just... I need a distraction from work. So that's my need. Maybe you're in the same boat as me and hey, I'm looking at you, you're looking at me, or you're looking at the road if you're listening to this while you're driving or whatever you're doing while listening to this week's episode. Nonetheless, you're not alone. And I don't feel as alone now that I've kind of aired my grievances or my, at least my need for a distraction. And with that said, let's dive into this week's distraction. This week, I'm tapping into some California folklore, which we've been to Cali before on the show, but I don't think we've actually talked about like a California-based folklore. So get your brimmed hats, cloaks, and walking sticks out as I try and tackle the lore around the Dark Watchers. I will say, this folklore has so many different variations, and therefore I felt I came across some kind of discrepancies or just some different answers in the resources I came across. Regardless, this lore is spooky and weird, so it fits for the show, and I want to tell you all about it. Due to potential coarse language and other adult themes, listener discretion is advised. Now, this week's California-based folklore seems to stem from the Santa Lucia Mountains or Santa Lucia Range all the way to the Big Sur area. In other words, close to the shoreline from what I gathered, however, I, I could be very wrong. And according to an All That's Interesting article, this folklore story dates back to the 17th or 18th centuries. It's been alleged that the first encounters of these mysterious entities were through the Spanish settlers and later the European settlers who came across these Los Vigilantes Oscuros, aka the Dark Watchers. And I apologize to anyone if I've offended with that horrible attempt at speaking Spanish. If you didn't realize this after almost 150 episodes, I can barely speak English. So uh, my apologies. If anyone wants to let me know how to pronounce it, I would appreciate it. 
Both of these settler groups reportedly felt like they were always being watched while roaming the area, once again being either the Big Surrey area or the Santa Lucia range. And eventually, reports would come out that they would lay eyes on these unknown entities amidst the mountains. AKA, they probably also felt like they were being watched by people who were already on the land the settlers would eventually snake from them. The Spanish settlers supposedly believed that the Dark Watchers were somehow connected to the Native American tribe being the Chumash. This is believed due to the nearby cave walls that were decorated with drawings by the Chumash, allegedly, that depicted these phantoms based on what I gathered online. But I did come across some resources that noted that there isn't any actual connection to the Chumash and the Dark Watchers, so it's a bit confusing to me, especially as someone who obviously is not well-versed in the Chumash legends. Further expanding on the online history of this lore and based on the cryptid wiki website, these Dark Watchers have been mentioned in a couple of different writings. So for example, there are mentions of them in a poem by Robinson Jeffers who wrote, forms that look human but certainly are not human in his poem, Such Counsels You Gave to Me. Dark Watchers are also mentioned in the short story Flight by John Steinbeck. Here's a direct quote from the writings of Steinbeck to kind of elaborate on this further. Quote, Pepe looked suspiciously back every minute or so, and his eyes sought the tops of the ridges ahead. Once, on a white barren spur, he saw a black figure for a moment, but he looked quickly away, for it was one of the Dark Watchers. No one knew who the Watchers were, nor where they lived, but it was better to ignore them and never to show interest in them. They did not bother one who stayed on the trail and minded his own business, end quote. I'll expand more on the alleged behaviors of these entities in a second, but let me continue to kind of paint a visual picture first. Descriptions of these weird entities include them either being these giant or extremely tall entities, whereas some noted that they're actually really small and tiny, so a little bit of discrepancy there. Uh, Apparently, they appear to be featureless and almost have kind of like a shadow-like silhouette which kind of gives me a little bit of a shadow figure vibe, so to speak, because usually shadow figures are known to be featureless. Some resources that I came across did know that the Dark Watchers' limbs appear to be extremely thin and that their eyes, in some cases, appear to be glowing. Pictures online depict their eyes to be kind of like a glowing yellow, but I couldn't find a specific color description online regarding their eye color. So it could be yellow, it could be red, it could be green, it could be anything in between. Dark Watchers have also been described wearing brimmed hats, cloaks, and roaming around with walking sticks. Now some tuning in may be thinking, did the settlers or whoever was roaming around the mountains or the forest area just come across some fashionable hikers? The short answer is no. I say this because these creatures supposedly appear to be motionless, which I know the way I hike, there may be times where I too appear motionless. But the whole motionless aspect can be better described by the Culture Trip website, in which it shares how accounts claim that the Dark Watchers will just be staring out into the vast space below the mountains before vanishing into thin air. If you're listening and planning a trip to either the Big Sur or Santa Lucia Range area, You may be curious as to when the Dark Watchers have been typically seen. Dark Watcher sightings have been reported to happen in the afternoon hours or during dawn or dusk. Basically, not in the dead of night by any means. Moving forward, 
It seems as though there is a bit of debate in terms of the behavior of the Dark Watchers. See, told you we'd circle back to this. Some claim that the Dark Watchers are more observant and reserved, mostly kind of keeping an eye on their land, keeping to themselves. They don't want no drama. They don't want no silliness. In a direct quote from the Monterey County Weekly article by Pam Marino, quote, instead, they are benign beings who hide in shadow forest glens or between rock outcroppings, occasionally coming out in the open while humans are passing through their territory, end quote. John Steinbeck's mother has even claimed that among her encounters with the Dark Watchers, she's actually exchanged gifts of flowers with them. If I remember correctly from my research, I think the Steinbeck family really spent a lot of time investigating and trying to get to know the Dark Watchers, which is actually kind of cool. I wish my family spent a lot of time trying to get to know local folklore legends and cryptids and all that. I think that'd be a really good family bonding experience, mom and dad, if you're listening. Are you listening? Anyways, others claim that the Dark Watchers are more aggressive and will attack those who are wandering or destroying the area, which gives me a fuck around and find out kind of vibe, so to speak. Now, in terms of what people might experience emotion-wise when a Dark Watcher is around, basically what I gathered is that people will reportedly experience anxiety before actually seeing a Dark Watcher. Basically, if you are in the Big Sur area or the Santa Lucia Range, you could feel a heightened sense of anxiety, which might mean that there is a dark watcher around or that it's 2023 and the world is basically on fire. But hey, it could be either or. Not only can you potentially, allegedly, feel anxious, but accounts claim that you may feel like you're being followed or that you're being watched, even if you can't see anyone or anything around you. Another weird tidbit of information I came across in my research about this lore is that the dark watchers have the ability to sense technology. Meaning, if they feel like you're about to hop on Instagram Live while on a hike, they won't appear. They'll completely avoid you. Which, I mean, hey, respect their privacy. If they don't want to be on a live, don't try and get them on a live. I hope I've given enough description of the Dark Watchers to you all to kind of understand the spookiness and kind of just the eeriness of them. Now I'm going to kind of shift gears and talk a little bit about some of the scientific theories as to the Dark Watchers. Are they cryptids? Are they some kind of paranormal entity? Or is there some kind of scientific phenomena taking place that is causing these alleged sightings? One theory that I heard while watching the Y files on YouTube for this week's distraction research was that of pareidolia. Pareidolia, according to the Merriam-Webster website, is a tendency to perceive a specific, often meaningful image in a random or ambiguous visual pattern. It happens more often than we may think. Consider this similar to seeing faces in the clouds or how outlets in North America kind of look like small faces. This theory kind of makes sense to me. I mean, if you're wandering in the mountains or in the forest, you're bound to see perhaps something that resembles maybe a face or something to that nature. But a whole ass figure? Is that possible? I, I don't know if pareidolia can be that strong of a tendency to manifest an entire being or multiple said beings as there have been accounts of people seeing more than one dark watcher at a time. Although perhaps what folks are 
seeing during these alleged dark watcher encounters is simply pareidolia from the long shadows of the trees within the forest. I mean, the encounters reportedly happen at a prime time for shadows, being dawn or dusk or in the afternoon. And if they look long enough, perhaps these shadows do turn into tall or small shadowy figures with brim hats and walking sticks. Now, the next theory revolves around Brocken Spectre. No, that's not the name of the lawyer from the TV show Suits, but rather something more naturally weird. I will admit, I've been wanting to do an episode solely on this phenomena, so this week's distraction kind of works out perfectly. Brocken Spectre is the magnified and apparently enormous shadow of an observer cast in midair upon any type of cloud opposite a strong light source, according to good old Wikipedia. In a direct quote from Wikipedia to kind of expand a bit more of the history of this phenomena, and just for my little weird interest to share with you all, quote, the phenomena can appear on any misty mountainside, cloud bank, or be seen from an aircraft. But the frequent fogs and low altitude accessibility of the Brocken, a peak in the Harz Mountains in Germany, have created a local legend from which the phenomena draws its name. The Brocken Spectre was observed and described by Johann Silsberschlag in 1780 and has often been recorded in literature about the region, end quote. This occurrence could perhaps happen when a hiker is up in the mountains and the sun is behind them. A shadow will almost be projected to any mist that is below the hiker. During this phenomena, people can see what's kind of seems to be almost a rainbow circle, also referred to as a glory surrounding the shadow. So how does this describe the size of the dark watchers, you may ask? Well, if these sightings are happening near dusk or dawn, depending on how the sun is hitting, the shadows could appear smaller or larger than the person who said shadow is attached to. But there are some holes to this theory. For example, none of the verbal or written reports that I came across regarding dark watcher sightings claim to see a rainbow circle or a glory around them. On top of that, if it is a case of Brock Inspector, then there is the potential of the shadow lasting for a long time, potentially. This would diminish claims that those who have allegedly laid witness to the Dark Watchers, who then swear that the Watchers are there one minute and gone the next. There is another theory being the phenomena known as hypoxia. In referencing the Cleveland Clinic website directly, hypoxia is low levels of oxygen in your body tissues. It can cause symptoms like like confusion, restlessness, difficulty breathing, rapid heart rate, and bluish skin. Hiking in various areas where there is less oxygen could, as some reports claim, cause this medical occurrence to happen. But again, it doesn't seem to be the only explanation as to what's going on here with the Dark Watchers. Like, how could that cause what seems to be a reoccurring hallucination? Unless everybody's having the same sightings when they're experiencing this, it doesn't really make sense to me that this could be the end-all answer. Another possible theory that kind of hints more to the emotional experience people might encounter when when about to see a dark watcher is the infrasound theory. As per the Y Files YouTube coverage on the dark watchers, when the wind rushes down the side of a mountain, it can cause sound waves with a frequency below the lower limit of human audibility, which is generally about 19 to 20 hertz. Supposedly, when we're exposed to this at a high amplitude, there are reports of folks feeling anxious or even fearful for no explainable reason in the moment. But these feelings don't necessarily make up for the visual sightings of the Dark Watchers unless it's a combo of all these theories kind of happening all at once. 
finally, the last theory, and maybe one that skeptics will groan at, is the theory that the Dark Watchers are a paranormal entity or cryptid creature that we just don't know much about and maybe need to look into a little bit more. With that, I'm going to leave you with the theories to make up your own conclusion, but not before wrapping up this week's episode. As I've stated in other episodes, folklore is just a weird little thing in my opinion. It may have roots that date back hundreds or thousands of years, but yet everything from that root point onward just seems blurry. When it comes to the Dark Watchers in California, there are some very interesting and weird scientific explanations that could somewhat debunk the lore into something less mythical. Yet there are some holes in those theories that just leave a little bit of wiggle room for weird speculation to occur. But what do you think? Comment on today's episode post over on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. You can also shoot me an email, especially if you've ever experienced any of the mentioned theories, or if you or someone you know have ever seen a dark watcher in California. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen about the show. You can tell them to find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, and many more. If you're streaming the show on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review. This helps the show out for free by letting others know that it's worth listening to. Another way to support the show for free and to never miss an update is to follow along on the show's various social media accounts. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is at WeirdDistractI1 and TikTok. If you want to financially support the show and get yourself a little something extra each month, why not join one of the two tiers over on Patreon? Each month you get exclusive content such as bonus episodes and series, the Weird Destinations travel posts, plus early access to the regular feed episodes. You can find out which tier is best suited for you by going to patreon.com slash Podcast. Shout out to my current patrons, aka my weird little family members, Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Susan, Shadow, Courtney, Jennifer, and Cheryl. I love you all and appreciate your ongoing support of Weird Distractions. If you're unable to support the show on a monthly basis, but still want to support it maybe as a one-time donation, check out the show's merch over on Redbubble or sign up for a one-time donation over on Buy Me a Coffee. Lastly, I want to hear from you. As some longtime listeners may recall, Christy and I released two listener story-based episodes called Listener Distractions. I'd love to keep doing this series and hear all of your weird tales of ghostly encounters, unexplainable events, and too close to home true crime stories. You can email me your tales at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. As well, send me feedback. If there are any corrections that need to be made after today's episode, let me know. And as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye. Bye.